As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. friends and welcome back it is rates and barrels right here on the athletic i am chris welsh you can find me on twitter at is it the welsh that is eno saris you can find on twitter at eno saris it's very easy you can do that you can also find us over at the athletic theathletic.com slash rates and barrels get yourself signed up for one dollar per month it's ridiculous for you to not sign up Dynasty ranks, mine are up there. Probably an update coming in here soon. I actually also uh, just recently released a fun first-year player draft article. If you're uh, looking at prospects and how we put that together, you can check out there. And of course, all of Eno's stuff, draft kit if you got like a last, last-minute draft. So go and check it out today, theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. Hello, Mr. Eno Saris. How about baseball coming in days? How about that? I'm excited. I'm excited. Flying oh, to really? New York tomorrow. Uh, gonna have that event at other half uh, on Thursday, and going to attend a Yankees game over the Ooh, weekend before Anthony my kids Volpe. show up. Uh, then I'm also going to uh, traipse around New York and find the best beer places because uh, I I'm allowed <laughs> to write about beer still. So I think I'm gonna do something like the best beer spots in New York. Uh, if you're in you know what were we just talking about off air <laughs> we're just talking about off air <laughs> <laughs> we just can't we, I should we just can't beer. escape beer. more beer. i think more it's more, it's more. you know that's a bucket beer. list it's so ridiculous too <laughs> i've never been to new york I, I want to go to new york i'm a uh a man less traveled uh, around the country i don't have many roots around the country and that's where i want to go <laughs> well we used to live there for 10 years so uh you know it's exciting to see some friends and also, just see the city. It's been so long that uh, it's. I'm sure it's changed, and it'd be fun to to see how it's changed. But yeah, I was uh, very happy uh, when I was at my my physical with my doctor to to report. You know, most weeks I do keep it uh, under sort of 14. <laughs> you know, more like 12. Uh, I don't tell her that they were, you know, uh, IPAs and uh, big cans, not the little cans and whatever. So already doing some funky math to get to 12 to 14. And she's like, oh, that's too much. You're like, you got to get down to seven. What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about here? That's Wouldn't you, well, where does New York rank oh, in, the, uh, so... in the beer land as far as like uh, homegrown beers? It used to be bad when I was there in the early 2000s and there was stuff going on in San Diego and, and, and Portland and Seattle were, were out in front uh, back then. Uh, but it's really caught up. And I think other half, I'm really happy to, to be partnered with them because I think they're a big part of why beer is great in New York now. But there's all sorts of other places, KBBC, Upstate, uh, there's uh, uh, Suarez family, there's uh, there's Finback, there's, uh, there's all sorts of really cool, uh, breweries now. Um, you know, a lot of them in Brooklyn and Queens. So I'm going to figure out a way to tie these to the baseball stadiums. The harder one is actually probably the Yankee stadium because there's not, I don't think that much great beer, like up in the Bronx and the, uh, and upper Manhattan, Manhattan has high property 
you know, property values and it's expensive. So it's kind of hard to like start up a brewery in it. Uh, but I do know some good beer bars that are along some uh, trains that get to Yankee Stadium. So I think I'll focus on those. Uh, but then Queens is super easy as a, a destination. There's a lot of good beer out in Queens and you can do that on the way to. Yeah, to I need Mets. to do a tour with you on that because I'm a bourbon guy. If people know, I, uh, I we, we should you, you and I should trade out. We should trade out. You oh. show me a beer. I'll cho- show you a bourbon and then, you know. <laughs> I used to have a really, my favorite bourbon bar was in Williamsburg. Um, and I, I bet you it's still there. Right across from the, the Williamsburg L stop, there was a, a bourbon bar. You just, I would always like, it would always be the weekend because I didn't live in, in Brooklyn. So I'd get out of the Williamsburg L stop. <laughs> I'm here. And I'd be like, well, that's where we're going to start I'm the here. weekend. <laughs> with when a in shot Rome, of bourbon. Right, that's my thing. Yeah, I, I, I struggle with like hard, high-end yeah, IPAs exactly. and stuff like that. I'm more definitely more of a crap taste in beer, but I have a uh, advanced palate in bourbon. But uh, you and I share on the different sides of it. Well, they, you know, in New York, they had a, they almost often had the sort of uh, Jack and uh, PBR specials, you know, where like they'd have they'd have like a shot of something. That and, sounds and, good. And a, and a cheap beer. And that was something. It's a little I too early right now for that to sound so good. Uh, by the way, your New York, uh, your New York stop. Uh, give one more plug on that. What's <laughs> happening again? That's on Friday, I believe. Oh yeah, say it again. Say what was brewing on Thursday. Uh, we're doing a watch party. If you've missed out on RSVPing for the panel, that's afterwards. That's fine. You can still hang out with me have my beer staring into the shift a collaboration with other half and my sandwich called the knuckleball uh which uh they'll be doing just on thursday uh so we'll be there starting at four o'clock uh when the mets game starts i I don't think the mets game will be the only game on tv i i I can't promise but i i have some tricks up my sleeve and uh we'll figure out how to get what was the name of the place again different tvs but Definitely just opening day watch party. Other half and the one that's in Brooklyn, the one that's in other half, uh, that's in, um, it's called uh, Red Hook and it's uh, on Center Street. So that's other awesome. half on Center Street in Brooklyn. Yeah, if you have the yeah, ability, you guys should uh, go out and definitely do that. Uh, it is Project Prospect today. We're talking prospects and uh, there's a lot of prospect stuff. Actually, Eno and I spent quite a bit of time beforehand just like digging into nerd things and having fun that we will kind of intertwine in this. Um, there are some interesting prospect pieces of news I'm going to throw out with some assignments because we are in, as I've explained to Eno and really everybody right now, we're just in this limbo period because it's like the spring training has just ended. There's a little bit more minor league spring training, but like AAA hasn't gone quite. So we're like two weeks out from having like really good, solid prospect stuff, but we are getting assignments. We've got a little bit of news in that. And I've pieced together some of the most interesting prospect stats from spring training as far as like maybe someone leading in a certain area. We are also going to tie it into potentially um, some uh, hard hit data that we're able to find on spring training for prospects. We're going to be doing all of that. I might have to eat. We'll some see. Crow. We'll see. We'll have you have a certain guy that might have hit a homer yesterday and looked quite good who steals a lot of bases. We'll see if there's crow being eaten here. <laughs> but this is going to be an interesting one. And I'm going to let you really uh, tag into this. It just so happened I had this as my first piece of news here was I, I think we might have curtailed it yesterday because I don't even think I realized the severity of it was Grayson Rodriguez was sent down by the Orioles. And my first the minute I saw it. I kind of excuse it as like, oh, they probably just didn't need like the fifth starter or whatever. And they sent him down. But that wasn't the case and not the case at all. There were actually some really big words said by the Orioles about Grayson Rodriguez. They didn't really mince words, if you will, in sending him down. So it's this isn't just about him being sent down. You know, this actually also tied in. You just happened to also drop a tweet, which got you into the fray of baseball about Grayson, where you were talking about his stuff. We saw Brandon McCartney, former pitcher in there and a lot of other people. So why don't you relay what you said in the tweet? You can also relay the words that they uh, they put out there about the about Grayson, which is really just, uh, again, ag- aggressive might be the word and how they sent him down. I mean, the biggest thing was that his GM is out here talking about we expected a better version of him. And uh, I thought that was a little bit harsh because and my tweet was about sort of a reaction to that being like, you know, he had the same stuff plus as Sandy Alcantara this spring and it was better than Hunter Green. So, like, I was pushing back on the sort of negativity. He's we were hoping he would show up mm. as a better version of himself. That sounds like your dad saying I'm not uh, mad, but I'm so disappointed. I, like that hurts. Other words, that's, that's a deep cut. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think if I had been the GM, my uh, my approach would have been more like, hey, he had the same stuff plus as Sandy Alcantara this spring. You know, we're just asking him to, you know, to refine it and to put the finishing touches on it and, and come back up here on a roll. Bam. That's what I would have said. I would have said, get him in the right mindset, get him on a roll, bring him back up. And Brandon McCarthy's reaction was on that level where he was saying, yeah, it sucks to debut when you're not play- pitching well. And, you know, other than stuff plus, Grayson Rodriguez's results have not been great. He has walked, uh, I think, uh, nine in 17 innings. Uh, he's given up hits. He hasn't gotten through the fourth, which is something that Mike, uh, that Mike Elias brought up. So, you know, there there are some performance issues here, probably. What I got embroiled in was the whole discussion about, is it service time manipulation? And... I kind of knew that was happening, but I wanted to, my tweet was more an affirmation that I still 100% believe in Grayson Rodriguez. You know, if you have a 119 stuff plus, like remember Hunter Green last year came up and did struggle a little bit first. He did throw the ball right down the middle a couple too, too many times. And he did have some issues, but I'm super excited about Hunter Green this year. And I'm super excited about Grayson Rodriguez this year. And so that's why I thought I would pair them and, push back on the idea that because Grayson Rodriguez had this poor spring that Did. Uh, we should think any differently about him. And, and you know, the, even in the service time conversation, there were some good points being made. Craig Goldstein from Baseball Prospectus was saying, well, if this is a meritocracy and there's actually spring battles, and so you're actually like you care about spring numbers, then why is Franchi Cordero not on this team? Because Franchi Cordero beat the crap out of the ball and, and hit, like 500 this spring and is not on the roster, but Grayson Rodriguez over here, who, you know, who you Grayson Rodriguez is, you know, how good he is and you've known it for a long time, but Oh, you know, three or four spring starts, that's enough to send him back down. So I will say that I, I don't want to take sides in the service time battle because I've done this before where I was wrong. I thought the Rangers were manipulating service time on Willie Calhoun. And it just turns out that Willie Calhoun is not very good at defense and maybe not even a major leaguer. So I was wrong about that. And, um, and so sometimes the team does know better. I don't want to always be like, Oh, the team knows better. I hate that sort of appeal to, to authority, you know, but at the same time, like they, they know a little bit more about what the player's mindset is. So maybe even Michael Eyes knows more about Grayson Rodriguez. Maybe he knows that Grayson Rodriguez needs some fire under his ass. And so he needed to he needed to say these things publicly. So I don't I I, I just wanted to say basically yeah. that I still believe in Grayson Rodriguez. <laughs> and I think he'll be up in three to four weeks. If you're wondering about what to do and whatever, yeah, I think he'll be up in three to four weeks and I think he'll be dominate. So uh, you know, all these people being like, well, oh, couldn't get out of the fourth and stuff, you know, all these people tell me, no, but you don't know ball and, you know, stuff, stuff gets you noticed, but command gets, I'm sorry, man, command in a four game, in a four game stint is just not useful. Don't talk to me about command in a four game stint. I don't care. Like it's not. I thought uh, I kind of echoed the, those statements, um, not the command issue, but when you and I were talking off air that if spring doesn't matter so much. And you know this guy better than anybody. He has also got his catcher that he, you know, came up with in the minor leagues. You have that guy to for the tutelage. If you know all of this and spring doesn't matter, then why did spring matter so much? You know, why why did three or four starts have such an impact on yeah. on it? Also tying in those words, tying in the kind of aggressiveness of how they approached sending him back down. I thought that was odd, and it does reek of uh, service manipulation simply because. You've got they've got Gunnar Henderson. So if you think about it, Gunnar Henderson is their ticket for that extra pick chase that they do. You know, it's a top 100 prospect that breaks camp with the team. He's their rookie of the year guy. So they can manipulate every other person if they want. And it kind of would make sense getting back to where a team would do that. I mean, I don't think they should, of course, but it makes sense that um, you could pair some of the results in with some of the manipulation but at the end of the day, I thought it was silly because I thought you there's a pretty, you know, nonchalant just like, hey, he's still got great stuff. Just because he's getting sent down, it didn't seem like a big thing, and it seemed like it turned into just this big old. But I think it's because you tweeted it. I think it was, you know, you know, I think if I tweeted it, everyone's just like, bye bye, you know. But you tweeted it, and it's kind of like a big piece of a conversation. You get a lot more people jumping into the uh, into the fray there, you know. 
Yeah, and I I could have added one more line being like, I still believe in him 1,000%. And then I would have stayed out of the service time battle. So uh, it's on me that I didn't uh, edit that to be clearer about, you know, that. But I also thought it would be willing, I also thought it would be interesting to put that piece of information into the discussion about service time. Uh, Because there's too many, I thought there's too many people being like, you know, looking at the actual results and saying he wasn't ready. And I'm like, uh... You know, Ross Stripling just gave up nine runs yesterday. Yeah, Dylan Cease gave up eleven uh, early in the spring and didn't get out of the you know yeah the second <laughs> the second best. Nice yeah, poop. I, I don't know. It's a it's a wild thing. The thing that's going to be a bad look though and is going to create a bigger conversation. Let's say I I can never follow the dates anymore of you know whatever it is Super Two and stuff. If it's April twenty fourth, if he comes up the twenty fifth, yeah, yeah, that's he's going to he's going to dominate for. Yeah, he's going to dominate for three weeks. Then he's going to be like, yeah, he did everything. And maybe that's maybe that's right. Maybe he needed to dominate, get in a better mindset, and come back up. But still, it's going to be like, oh, so he's ready five days mm, after. It's very the, interesting. The, the, the um, all right, some other prospect <laughs> news that's floating out there. Yeah. Uh, we kind of had some questions about Christian Encarnacion Strand, or at least I did, and why he didn't make it. I'm not sure this is exactly tied, but we found out uh, a couple days ago that both Ellie De La Cruz and Christian Encarnacion Strand with the Reds are staying back and they're not going to be reporting early on because they're both struggling with a few different injuries. Ellie looks like he might be back about a week or so after the full season starts in. And Christian Encarnacion Strand looks like late April. So that kind of stinks with CES because I think that does alter that timeline a little bit because he wouldn't be an option. We know Votto's going on the IL. Because he could have... Maybe he could have made the... Yeah, yeah if they had some early struggles or something like that it. with Votto not in, but now you have... Or also just that, give Votto not And now you have a yeah, month-ish that's a, that's a where spot. he's not even around, and then he's going to have to get set back in the minor league. So that kind of sets him back, and Ellie is going to be set back just a tiny bit, but I thought those were important pieces. Um, so I guess, I guess like, steer his playing time I think they gave him the third base gig. full-time right now. Yeah, and and then Myers plays some first, or maybe yeah, I don't Boston know what they plan. The That's team. a good question on the first spot because I think Steer is locked into third. But if Steer struggles, they don't really have an outlet for CES uh, at least for a month. So Steer's going to be, I mean, you're pretty good for Steer through May. He's he's going to get runway. Yeah, he's going to get runway. And I don't think guys like Friedel, Fairchild, uh, Benson. Uh, Senzel play first, so it's I think it's either Myers or Vossler. Maybe Myers plays first to begin the season, and that gives Fraley and Friedel. Uh, it gives Benson maybe specifically Benson more time, and and I guess Senzel is hurt too, so it might be Friedel, Fraley, and Benson for you know three four weeks. Yeah, and watch the stolen base numbers too with those guys. Guys like free, actually all three of those outfielders are sneaky stolen base guys, but Benson might be free off the wire for a little bit. Uh, for some cheap early saves in season if he's going to get two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, I said saves. Stolen base. I don't know why I do that. I, catcher, closer is my mix, and then saves, and yeah. Yeah, I just the do worst. it all the time. Steals and saves are the worst. <laughs> the worst uh, semi-prospect piece of news <laughs> was, it looked like Logan Ohapi was going to get sent down, weirdly, another stupid thing. But then Max Stassi suffered an injury, and it looks like Logan Ohapi is back, and he's back in there. And I've got him on... Two different two catching roster teams, uh, which is huge for me because I put a lot of stock into him. But he had a again, this is another one of those weird things where it's like a poor spring didn't give him the gig. I don't know. I don't know how invested or how much you care about Logan O'Hoppy, you know, but uh looks like he should be good early on, which might be able to help carry him through the season because he's got some real power. Yeah, I like him. He makes more contact and combines it with power uh, you know so many times with catchers you've just got the large strikeout rate and and the occasional pop and they become these sort of 225 (laughs) 18 homer guys you know (laughs) so i feel like there's you know 10 of those so he has a chance to be more of a 250 260 guy he could hit 20 20 homers his bad ball stats were bad but it was 16 plate appearances last year so i'm willing to uh to pay attention here when as he as he gets going. I've always liked Stassi a little bit, but Stassi's getting older, older, older as it goes on. Matt Tice is uh, a deep league pickup. Uh, he's going to be a backup catcher probably, um, but he has all sorts of eligibilities. And if he plays well enough, he could uh, you know sort of stay on the team as a third catcher slash utility guy. So 
There's uh that's to watch for deeper leagues, but Ohapi uh, could be relevant in 12. Yeah, I completely so agree. Has that kind of- Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I put this together, and this is also a, a shout out to MLB Pipeline that uh, put out a big thing about this. And and I just curated a few what I thought were really interesting assignments. So that's kind of been a big thing. It's funny I was over at the what was it Monday? I can't even keep my day straight. Monday over at the Padres and was still asking Ethan Salas, the you know phenom catcher, sixteen year old phenom catcher, if he really is going to start at A ball. And that's been kind of a big piece of conversation. Will the 16 year old really push a ball? And he still doesn't know. And he's just like, I'm not sure yet. Whatever they tell me is what I'm going to do. You know, that type of stuff, but he doesn't know, but we do have assignments on some players. And I put these together because I thought these were all really fascinating. I'm going to burn through them real quick. And then if we want to piece one or two together, we can, these assignments jumped out to me for prospects. Yuri Perez with the Marlins going to triple a, Jackson Churio, who Eno and I talked about early on in the year, going to double A. Jackson Merrill, who was the youngest in the AFL, had a great spring. High A is what Pipeline was announcing. You also had Harry Ford, who was one of the stars of the WBC, going only to high A. And the Pirates have Henry Davis, who was in the AFL, going to double A. And they're putting Indy Rodriguez at triple A, which makes him be one step above so a couple of these, you know, are about guys that are closer than maybe we expected. And a couple are further. Obviously, the furthers are Jackson Merrill and Harry Ford. But like Yuri Perez at AAA really is a small injury away. And what might have been a guy that most people aren't counting on. Everyone's drafting Andrew Painter and Ricky Tiedemann and stuff like that. With Perez at AAA, you know. There's a real possibility that he could be a guy that beats Ricky Tiedemann to the majors because it is an injury away and the Marlins suffer them all the time. Maybe they have a little bit more depth than we expect. And it's like, you know, Braxton Garrett and stuff would go to it. But I don't know. It's a few struggles and an injury away from Yuri Perez being up sometime in May and putting up some real fantasy value. Yeah, I think he's knocking on the doorstep. I guess he's gone past Braxton Garrett. Uh, I would guess that because especially if it's a long-term replacement, then I think you just go to Yuri Perez. Maybe if it's uh, a, you know, a 15 day or, or just a missed start, maybe, uh, maybe Garrett comes up, maybe they use Garrett. Uh, you know, how you have those three options before you get in trouble Yeah. In a, in a year now, maybe they use up all of Garrett's options on short-term stuff. And then if it's a long-term one, Yuri Perez comes up. Um, so there's, or, or maybe they alternate them because you, that way you have six (laughs) options, you know? Uh, but in any case, uh, I think that with Jesus Lizardo's injury history with Trevor Rogers, you know, sporting a five ERA in the spring, uh, my stuff numbers like him, the strikeouts are there 17 in 18 innings. But at some point, if he continues to struggle, uh, you know, his, 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 his spot could be in peril. Uh, Edward Cabrera's had some uh, some injuries in the past, and I don't think Braxton Garrett's spring, although he did uh, 13 strikeouts in 15 innings, five walks in 15 innings is uh, a little bit much, and uh, he just didn't um, he doesn't have the the top end stuff. So if there is a long term solution, long term need, I think Yuri Perez is the one that steps in, and I, it's virtually a guarantee that there will be because that's just how injuries work. It's hard to say to like stash. If you have an NA spot, I think Yuri Perez actually might be a really good stash. 
if if and when Yuri Perez hits the wire, what type of aggressiveness do you think you're going to have? Because we've talked about fought, we've talked about T. I think the rank order would at this point is like Grayson, Tiedemann, fought. I'm just assuming. I'm I'm also projecting. You can tell me differently. Is Yuri Perez? I think four? I might go Grayson Yuri. Oh, Yuri would be two on that list as far as aggressiveness. I think so. I mean, I like Tiedemann. I think the numbers are there. Um, but they also have Mitch White as as paper, you know, and Braxton Garrett is paper in, in Florida. Um, but uh, the Blue Jays may be more concerned with floor than ceiling, uh, at least in the short term. If you think about it, the Blue Jays want to win every game. They don't want... Uh, to rush a, a prospect to to fit a need. Also, Tiedemann had some injury concerns. Yeah, he was he was dealing with the injuries on the back that's half of spring, by the way. So slight, slightly, it doesn't seem like it's a major one, but that's enough for me to put him back. So I would, and I and fought like um, I know you love him, and I I don't hate him. I, I have a 105 stuff plus for him. That's pretty good. Um, but I've liked Nelson. Nelson got the job. Dre Jamison's on that roster. Um, and probably has more length than your typical reliever. So Dre Jameson could end up being the closer or a swing guy that steps in. Uh, maybe just a, cu- a little bit more of an obstacle. So that's that's my ranking. Those are my five favorite. It goes Grayson, Yuri, Tiedemann, Fott. Yeah, and don't be surprised. And don't be surprised when Yuri beats Tiedemann to the majors. I just thought that was a good aggressive. And it is not that like he shouldn't have been there or anything like that. He got to double A and he had 17 starts in double A, but he's 19 years old. I just wasn't sure maybe the Marlins would go to double A, then push triple A. He's going to be 20 though uh, on the 15th of yeah, that's April. An, I think they're saying something with that. That's an aggressive uh, placement. I think all these guys, uh, their teams are saying something about them. Uh, you know, Churio is someone that, uh, you know, you could look at his line and be like, oh, here's another sort of pop-up prospect from A-ball uh, that dominated there. And, you know, let's wait and see. See if he can make the jump to double-A. The jump from high-A to double-A is as big as the one from double-A to major leagues, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, there's a sort of conventional wisdom out there. I think the team is saying with this, like, we believe in him 100%. Yeah. And, uh, we're moving him along. The only thing working against him, like, so I think you could look at him being a double A and people could be like, holy crap, could this happen now? I don't think so because they're just flush with outfielders. You also got to remember, like, Sal Freelich didn't make the roster. Joey Weimer got option. Those are two guys they are going to see to the fullest. That goes along with Garrett Mitchell. They've still got Yelich. I mean, there are guys there. I think it's going to be really hard. I think they're going to press a full half season of double A and a full half season of triple A. And then I think he goes to the AFL and he's on the radar for next year. And I think that's, what's interesting about fantasy people where Cheerio might've felt a lot farther away. I think he's a real, like his clock starts next season of it might be time. I don't think it's this year. It's a be a little bit aggressive this year, just the age. And yeah, I think also they kind of want to sort through their other outfielders, as you mentioned, including their major league outfielders. I think there's going to be some pressure on Tyrod Taylor and Garrett Mitchell this year to establish themselves as major league regulars. Cause if they don't, the door is open. Exactly. You know, there's guys behind them. Um, one of so the ones they need to produce a little bit. One of the, the other positive one just want to throw out for, especially a lot of people that are playing in um, two catcher leagues of whatever capacity it is. Andy Rodriguez has to be on your radar, especially at this point too. And not to say that he wasn't always going to be the next guy up, but you know, Henry Davis just went to the AFL. Um, He's got his struggles and stuff like that, but I don't know. Henry Davis was a much bigger name. Andy Rodriguez doesn't have the body of a traditional catcher The you know, five foot nine, maybe a buck 80, but last year had 25 homers hit 323 with a 400 OBP. And he's now at triple a on a pirates team. That's, the Pirates. It's the Pirates. I mean, the Pirates are just like the A's are the A's. Then there's the Pirates. And then there's other baseball teams that do like big roster stuff. So what I'm getting at is anytime Andy Rodriguez can be up because what are they holding back from? And if that is the case, this is a really good, solid hitter with big power that does stuff, that does fantasy stuff. He is not the 225-18 homer guy that you were talking about. And he would be one of those top catching radar guys, maybe the top guy, you know, if if you're really thinking about all the catchers that could come up this year, I think he's the number one catcher to pay attention to. I don't, 
foresee it's going to be anytime soon, but he is first man up. I don't know if you have any Andy Rodriguez thoughts. Yeah. I mean, we were talking service time manipulation. It's, you wonder uh, what the deal is here because I guess the person making the roster over Andy is Jason DeLay. Um, non-roster 28-year-old. Uh, maybe there's something they want to see, see if there's something there, or maybe they just want to um, – you know, try to get him into the organization and then send him down and bring Andy up, uh, you know, in season when it's harder for other teams to make room on their 40 man. Maybe there's something, some sort of games being played there with Andy though. I've been, I've talked to a few scouts about this and there's, it's interesting. There's people who say that like, you know, Tamar Johnson is the, the pirates best prospect. Oh, yeah. And is he a weird fit as a best prospect because he's undersized and he's a second baseman and that, you know, that's your best prospect. Uh, I've heard other scouts say, no, 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 their best prospect is Andy Rodriguez. And uh, I think that's an interesting sort of flip to switch because, um, switch to flip, because I think then you you realize that this is, uh, this is a really interesting prospect that uh, makes contact, has patience, has power, has speed, has athleticism, may not end up at catcher, but is still a catcher for now. And I didn't hear a, a bad word about his catching. Yeah. So this is someone that is going to be up soon. I don't know if it's worth stashing, but even look at his projections. They're all for, you know, a 315 to 320 OBP with league average power or better. Like how many catchers did that last year? Not a lot. They're probably a, see here. Don't do you can't you have to take the qualified filter off because there's like three qualified catchers. But <laughs> uh uh this is how many catchers had league average power and a three fifteen OBP or better. Seven. Seven. What is league average? Are you going by like two fifty? One fifty. One fifty ISO. Oh one you oh wait, okay, I see what you're saying. So you ISO. got Travis Darno, Sean Murphy, that's two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Rutchman, the Contreras brothers. Will Smith, Real Muto, Murphy, and Darno. That's it. So you might have theoretical um, top, top catcher one. Catcher yeah, co- yeah, catcher one yeah. Uh, when he comes up. So keep an eye on him. The AAA assignment above Henry Davis, I definitely think, says a lot. The only other one I just want to throw out, the Orioles AAA team is going to be a monster. And they have all these guys that are ready, whether they're manipulating or not. Uh, on top of Grayson Rodriguez, they've got uh, Jordan Westberg, Colton Kowser, and uh, Connor Norby. It is a monster of a team, maybe one of the better minor league teams out there of future star power. All guys that can end the year with the Orioles and all guys you should pay attention to have very, very, very fantasy relevant. Um, Jordan Westberg might be the most underrated. You and I talked a decent amount about him in spring. He was having a really good spring, but he might be the most underrated of all of those guys as well. So. Watch out. Yeah, he's the one I'm actually probably the most excited about. Um, and I think he's going to be maybe the first one up because not only did he have a good spring, um, but uh, let's see here. I mean, get his strikeout rate. Strikeout rate is one of the few things I care about in spring. Uh, that's a little high, 28%, I would, but it is against uh, largely major league players. Um, and uh, that would be good news because I don't want him to cross over into the 30%. Um, I do think that uh, over time he could whittle that strikeout rate down, number down, but I think he's going to have good patience, and I think he's going to have good power, and he's also going to steal some bags, and I also think the team's a little weak where he plays. I think that there's a big opportunity if Jorge Mateo, Mateo stumbles at all, um, or if Adam Fraser uh, doesn't uh, take advantage of the new shift rules uh, and, and play his way into a regular role there. Uh, Urias, it was a waiver claim, Ramon Urias. So uh, those three people are not unsurmountable. Yeah, and once service time is over, everybody's game for the Orioles, right? <laughs> it's open season once uh, the service clock has uh, officially uh, started or stopped. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I mean, among these hitters, uh, the the only one that I think uh, could be relevant in three weeks is Westberg. Among these ones that we said. Oh, particular. interesting. Okay, you think it could happen early? I mean, I kind of agree with you on that. I think it would be. Oh, best and, and and uh, Andy Rodriguez. And, and oh, okay. So of those, all of these, the not two. just those Orioles, all of these prospects. 
of the prospects that we that we just named that had interesting assignments, I think Andy Rodriguez and Jordan Westbrook are the closest to the major leagues. Okay, so be uh, pay attention and maybe uh, keep your fab and your waiver uh, claims ready. Do that. Uh, we're talking about some spring stats. These were some outliers I put together, and Eno and I had some fun off air about this. I went and looked over. It's kind of on like, you know, when you look at spring stats, they kind of do do the qualifications. Um, I think it's usually like 40 plus at bats or whatever. So it eliminates some players and stuff like that. But I put together some of the prospect outliers that stood out that uh, put up, you know, one individual or in some cases they popped up on a couple spots that really stood out in one area. And wouldn't you know it, we've got three Colorado Rockies that stand out. Now, one of the reasons behind this, we have to give you a caveat for a couple of the stats we're going to add, is the only ballpark in Arizona, stupidly, by the way, of all the spring training teams that has data, that has advanced, that has TrackMan and and, and, uh, Baseball Savant stuff, is Salt River Fields. That's the only one that you can get advanced analytics and data on because for whatever reason, none of the others will put it in. It's really stupid and it was frustrating during the AFL. So Arizona Diamondbacks and Colorado Rockies are going to show up because this is their home place. Or if a player was playing there, you'll get it. So that's one of them because the three stats we have, you know, I'm going to just throw them out here, not to take any thunder away and you can uh, break through. One of them was an actual category, Michael Tolia, who we've talked some about. Michael Tolia actually was tied in runs at first all spring. 15 runs that was tied for first among all hitters during spring. But his other two prospect battery mates showed up. We were looking at uh, EVs in spring. Zach Veen, who you have been, uh, you and I have gone back and forth about, had a top 10 exit velocity of all players, not just prospects. He was the number one, actually he was the number two prospect after Jordan Walker with a 115.3 max EV and El Juris Montero had uh, the 26 best max EV. I think I wrote this down wrong because I said 116.1. That would be higher than Zach Veen. But he had the top 26 biggest EV. So El Juris Montero, Zach Veen, and Michael Tolia all showed up big in spring. Yeah, so, Montero had a 113. 113. Okay, so I wrote that down wrong. Um, Just a little bit of context on those. Uh, you know, a top quartile max EV in the big leagues is over 112.5. If you just want to remember one number as being uh, elite or, or you know, top of the league or an 80 uh, raw power, I think 113 is the easy number to remember. So if you see um, a 113 or higher max EV, you go, oh, that is an elite raw power guy. That's yeah, that's like a 70, 80 raw power. I mean. It should be by uh, by you know the twenty to eighty scale. You're breaking it up into twenty in percentiles, right? If you re- if you wanted to really be, like make a difference between seventy and eighty, um, then one thirteen could be seventy, and uh, eighty might be one twenty. I mean, one twenty has only been crossed by Judge, Cruz, and Stanton. Is that an eighty? Uh, if you start talking about one eighteen, uh, Ryan McMahon had a one seventeen seven this spring. Uh, so maybe maybe 117 is uh, is 80 and 113 is 70. Anyway, either of those is good. Uh, that's good raw power. I'm really surprised on Veen. Uh, I saw the minor league uh, strikeout. I saw the minor league uh, strikeout rates and liked them to some extent, but I didn't like the ISOs because I thought a 170 ISO from Veen with 50 stolen bases that could be all legs. I know he had 11 homers, but I was worried that this is an all legs guy, um, but this is good raw power from him. And with a guy that makes contact, he's much more likely to access that raw power and figure it out. There are other guys on this uh, top list that, uh, you know, Hyland Ortiz uh, from uh, the Phillies, uh, you know, also had a, uh, what is it that he had? He had a one. Yeah, I'm looking uh, here. I just had it too. 114.6, right? So uh, close to, you know, 70 raw power. Well, look at his strikeout rates up and down uh, the minor leagues, 30%. And because we'd, we'd been thinking about talking about our biases and prospecting, to me, uh, a, a large strikeout rate is something that I usually don't get with. I'm making an exception for Ali De La Cruz right now, but... Uh, the bust rates on the, the high strikeout rates are a thing. And I also just wanted to, do, to point this out. 
if I look at the major leagues and I just take the population of players that strike out more than 25% of the time in the major leagues with 250 plate appearances, uh, the average, the median number is 96 WRC+. plus. It's not 100. So the, the guys who strike out a lot in the major leagues, and these are guys who succeeded. They've stayed in the major leagues. They have enough power. They're not prospects. They don't even average out to 100. They average out to 96. So your ceiling is a little bit lower by definition if you strike out a lot. And so Highland Ortiz, I know that he's not a big prospect. He's got a 40 future value over at uh, at Fangraphs, and um, he didn't make the, anybody's top 100, I don't believe. But also just generally if I was looking for a pickup, I, even though he has that mac, nice max EV, uh, I'd much rather have somebody like Zach Veen. I, I know that's obvious because Veen is higher on lists and people like him better and so on. But I'm just saying, even if you took the names off of these stat lists, I'd be much more likely to take uh, Zach Veen because of that strikeout rate paired with that rock. Well, guy. this gets into a bigger conversation we're probably not going to fully, fully dive into. It's actually something we were originally kind of going to do in this episode was talking about the advent of I'm actually going to use uh, Dylan White's just term uh, shout out to him, the robo scout. You know, that's kind of the idea of uh, there. There's a huge uptick for better, for worse. I'm a little bit pushbacky on it being the be all end all of where people will take an algorithm, you know, or projection or whatever, and they'll just take the stats and they'll spit out. And this is the rank. This is, this is the new prospect rank based on, stats and i don't like that i think it's a perfect marriage with the other things that come with ranking and stuff like that but that's where that's one of the things you're kind of alluding to and you and i were talking about that it's like you can get it can get messy you're you've used the abraham toro thing in there it can get messy when you're simply just looking at some of the categorical stuff in here and you were saying your bias is to move away from high strikeout guys mine is to give I give way too much credit to like high contact based players that might have like Robert Hassel was an example of someone in high school. He was like one of the best high school hitters coming out. Jared Kelnick was actually kind of the same way that with or paired with insane athleticism of talent. And and Khalil Watson is a prime example of that. He is an insane strikeout guy, like almost a 40% strikeout rate last year. He was a mess last year, completely redefined. Looks like he's redefined who he is this year. I was just talking to Jeff Ponce from Baseball America. His swing has become more simplified. He's not striking out the same level. He's making better decisions and he has all the talent in the world. So like my biases tend to go to contact-based players that they can overcome Zach Veen. He can overcome his inability to consistently tap into power. And I'll overlook crazy strikeout numbers for insane prior talent of athleticism like Khalil Watson. Those are like two very stark but it's, it's interesting that they're kind of in different directions. They totally right? are. But I like, I like that. I like that because it allows you to not overlook some people. You know, like you're basically saying if... They have good contact. I'll probably like them. There'll be more caveats. You know, I don't like everybody who has a low strikeout rate. Um, or if they are super athletic, I can overlook some of that. And I think that's a, a really good way of doing it because if I'm a little bit more like, oh, I really want to have a low strikeout rate and good batted ball stats. I'm going to avoid the Abraham Toro problem by having asking to to at least hit a ball 113 or at least bit a, yeah. hit a ball 110 and pair that with an 18% strikeout rate, and then I will love you, you know? And that's, that's I'm trying to learn from Toro uh, and, and, and add something to it. But I like your sort of if-then sort of like separate like paths in the wood. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I probably would, I, I, I'm trying to learn. Like I said, I'm making room for Elliot Cruz on rosters. I missed Jazz Chisholm. Insane you know. talent too. He's a, he's the prime exact. He's actually the example of like Michael Watson. He's a guy that he was also so insanely pull heavy in the minors. He had strikeout issues, but he also was talent through the roof. You know, he had huge, huge. There's huge your. Raw he's power. like an athleticism. Yeah, guy. he's my he's athleticism the guy. That you'd guy. be like athleticism plus a bad strikeout rate. I can handle it. And when I say athleticism, uh, also the talent. It's like the talent that it cures with athleticism. It doesn't always work out. Uh, and he was the example of. It. But yeah, go on. Well, uh, there's a, a, a name that comes to mind is Javi Baez. Now, I would not don't think about Javi Baez now. Think about all the value you would have gotten out of Javi Baez before. 
you know. And I would I looked at his minor league stats, and he's striking out twenty eight percent of the time in minor leagues. I would have been like, no thanks, you know. And I love uh, this Baez. guy's, you know. But then Javi Baez was really great for a long time. I'm not, I'm not. You have to kind of remember what he was when he was younger. And a, another player that comes to mind is Austin Riley, because I was looking at his minor league stats. He is actually Austin Riley is striking out less in the major leagues than he did in the minor leagues. I mean, he was running 28s out there in the minor leagues, and now he's got, you know, 24s in the major leagues. So, um, and I remember we were at a, a batting practice together, and it was Austin Riley, Michael Chavis, and uh, maybe Acuna. They were, right? yeah, they were all actually on the same team out here in the AFL. Yeah, and they took a batting practice, and it was like rifle shot after rifle shot after rifle shot. And it is interesting to think about that about that grouping because – Chavis and Riley at the time, I think, were fairly well thought of, both of them. Chavis might have been more well thought of at that time than Austin Riley, but they were both like high guys. And then they were high strikeout rate guys, not insane athleticism, but really good batted ball stats. You know, like I bet you if we had their exit velocities would have been like, oh, yeah, yeah, these guys. I'm sure we would have seen that they hit the ball, you know, 115 in the minor leagues. Yeah. So. That's, I mean, that's what we were hearing. You know, we could hear it with our ears. When you, if, there's a video of O'Neill Cruz uh, hitting the ball 122.4. You should play it with the sound on because it's, it's, it's the loudest thing ever. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, I think that uh, you've got uh, different pathways. I think I, I like your sort of approach better because if you're just trying to have one rubric for prospect analysis you're going to miss people. yeah and i and and mine definitely and this is by the way because i use it as an example it's not to say that um the robo scout is that or anything like that but i have seen lots of different things where sometimes it is just here is what this spit out and obviously you can filter out and set an algorithm to be like all right well now i don't want guys that strike out more than this and this but at the same time it misses i think the marriage of lots of different approaches putting in and it just takes time like that's how i approach into the scouting i can't just look at a stat and be like that's it or they meet these qualifications that's it boom he's the top guy whatever it's all of these different pieces that kind of play in a role and lots of people do it um a really really great ways and there's insanely smart people across the board it is just not one simple way but that but that was a bigger conversation of you know and i were kind of talking about our biases and how the strikeouts were in there and Veen and, and Veen is kind and of, and it, yeah. And our biases play out right here. This is, this is an amazing thing we found. Yeah. So, uh, we're, I'm all excited now. I'm, I'm all in a tizzy. Oh, Zach Veen is much better than I thought. I can't believe he hit a ball 113. Now I'm excited about him. I'm super excited about him. Next on the list. Uh, we have, uh, uh, is next your on the list Astoria Ruiz. Yeah. Your yeah, buddy, Astoria Ruiz. Ruiz. So we got we got a date on him, you know, finally he hit a home run, 109.7. Well, I'm out on him and I, oh, wish I eat crow. I don't know, 109.7 is not elite, you know. It's uh it's it would have been uh, you know, like, what did I have? It would have been like a bottom 25th percentile actually. Um last year I had the leaderboard open. Oh yeah, I don't remember if you said the cuz you did the top 25 which was 112.5. I don't remember what the bottom was. Yeah, I feel like the bottom would have been a little bit lower. I feel like it would be like 107 and lower, but um, here we go. So Maxi V uh, 109.7 would have been 178th out of uh, 252. Oh, whoops. So it's below average. It's below average. And so I I get, because of my biases, I get to continually, uh, I get to still poop on Asturia Reese, even though he has two homers this spring and one went 109.7. Um, and the stat and, that I added, he had the second most RBI of all players uh, in spring, which I just wanted. That was the unique stat that brought him. Well, to the I did list. want to point out that the RBI and runs things. Um, you know, some of these teams just played some of their guys way more than others. Sure. I was looking at the the Rockies, and Michael Tolia had seventy three. No, he had eighty two plate appearances. 
Like that's oh a lot God. for spring. Um, so, you know, part of that's playing time. But uh, Estrella Ruiz, uh, they, they are releasing Christian Pache. He's going to have the full-time things. He hit a ball 109.7. Should Eno eat crow? Should he shut up finally about Estrella Ruiz? And I'm not going to. I'm going to continue being biased because I opened up his entirety of his uh, batted ball stats this spring, which, of course, are all when he's visiting Colorado. Uh, but he's got a 68-mile-an-hour foul ball, uh, an 86-mile-an-hour sacrifice fly, uh, a 70-mile-an-hour foul ball, uh, you know, a 64-mile-an-hour ground into double play. He's average exit velocity for the ones that are tracked is 83.7. Who was the other player that we wanted to look at? Well, do you want to look uh, at the positive, the, the, oh, the inverse oh, one? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is, this, okay. this is so where... This is the funniest this, thing. This, so this, that, we so that, laughed out loud when we yeah, got to this, this one. Is, this is how dumb Eno Saris is. So I'm gonna t- I'm talking. Uh, this is my bias. I'm against history Reese. 109.7, not actually that great. You know, I'm gonna continue poo-pooing him. And Corbin Carroll steps to the plate, and he's having a great spring. Give us his his regular stats that he led in. Yeah, he what is. His, his, uh, his he he was tied for first in triples in spring. He was tied for third in doubles with six. He was also fifth in walks and had the fourth best average. So those were his like outlier stats in spring. And I love Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll's the best. His max EV this spring is 109.7. But. But I'm ching. But the first thing I asked Eno after that was, what is the average look like? And this might blow your mind too, because if you're looking at like, if you're looking at like plus, I mean, it's better to look at max EV, but if you're looking at um, average EVs, 90 plus is a good place you want to be. And 83 was Astoria Ruiz. Corbin Carroll, though, was much higher, you know. Do you solve that number? Yes, I've got uh, 92.9. So he's getting to, even if the raw power might be similar, he's getting to his raw power much more often. Much more um, often. And so, I, I taken as a single number, Maxi V has some power to it. It's better if you have 95th percentile. If you do like 95th percentile EV, it does have predictive power. It does describe your raw power. It doesn't describe everything about you as a hitter. A story Reese is obviously exciting because of his elite skills on the, with his feet. And even uh, in, when I'm looking at this, I will see he's got some singles on uh, on some really... Uh, on some really poorly hit uh, balls here, where he's got a uh, he's got a double. No, that's the foul. He's got a, a single on a 61 mile an hour uh, ball, and he's got a single on a 59 mile an hour ball. So this dude can run, and he's going to make the best out of any contact he does make. What I what I am worried about is it's not elite contact making. So I, I'm not sure how this is all going to fit together. I'm still not sure about it. Corbin Carroll gets to us. And, and if you just look at average EV, it's not that super powerful as a stat, but it can help you tell the story about why, or just feed your biases uh, about why I think Corbin Carroll is a better, is going to have a better season. The story reason is a better player. Yeah. I mean, and, and a lot of people have had that little power they've wanted to use. Like, where is he stealing bases or da da da? You could look at 109 and that could be the story of why people want to sell you against Corbin Carroll. But then you look at the average EV and that's like, I don't know, that's like borderlining elite average EV if you're looking on a season total, right? And the sample and the sample is small because he doesn't play in Colorado. So those are just all away games in Colorado. Yeah. Well, no, Arizona so. and Colorado share. That's actually uh, they share oh, the ballpark. Oh, that's right. So that's that, right. those that's are right. okay. all but his those away, his away stats in there. So, yeah, Corbin Carroll, yeah. interesting in there. Um, and I love that one. I love that we were, but able still, to that it's still half the sample, right? Like yeah. It's still, it's just his home game. Yeah. Only his home games. You don't get any of the other games. Uh, and that was yeah. a great one, especially to be able for us to be able to pair Esther Ruiz and Corbin Carroll together was just like, <laughs> it was magnificent. Yeah. It was our opus. <laughs> uh, a couple other ones we can end with two giants, Blake Sable third in OPS with a, uh, 1105. He also was uh, fourth in walks and Bryce Johnson led all of spring training and stolen bases with 12. And I believe both made the roster, you know, any thoughts on either one of these giants prospects? Yeah. Sable is a rule five guy. He was with the pirates last year in the AFL actually. Yeah. And 
he's got really up and down contact numbers. It looks like the power should be there. He's not projected to have good power. But if he's going to access that power and strike out, you know, not an alarming rate, is there at all a chance he unseats one of the veteran catchers? But here's the other unique thing. He doesn't need to. He I mean, also, I'm not calling Bart a veteran, but you know what I mean. He also plays other positions. He played left field in the AFL. He played first base in the AFL. His flexibility is what makes him fascinating because he can be a super utility player that he doesn't need to just break one of those catchers, which he clearly can do. He is versatile across the board, which is why this is a guy that could stay all season long, but maybe in more of a super util role. Yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering if there's a chance he unseats because he's got a 22% strikeout rate this spring with a 20% walk rate. So this is absolutely Farhan Zaidi's favorite type of player. And uh, he's got, he, yes, you're right, he could be util and slot all around, but in terms of playing him the most often, uh, the worst projected players are obviously Joey Bart uh, with uh, basically a mid-80s uh, WRC Plus projection. And then Roberto Perez, uh, who's in camp on a one-year deal, 34 years old, projected for a 79 to 80 WRC+. Plus. So there's some meat on the bone there where, you know, he could unseat one of those guys. I am the worst at the sort of soft scouting stuff, but if you wanted to watch some Blake Sable behind the plate and you thought he was actually decent at catching, I think there's a non-zero chance that he could even become the primary catcher. This is not, it's not unassailable. Like, like I said earlier, these are not obstacles he can't overcome. And he was a rule five guy. So they, they'd have to return him if they did. So it's even more reason. So they're going to keep him on the roster as long as possible. But it's just to me, a question for me is how often he plays at catcher is going to determine how often the, how, how close he is to a, a, a starting gig. Absolutely. Uh, one other hitter and then just two quick pitching ones. James Outman uh, stood out to me. He's a guy that made the Dodgers roster eighth best ISO in spring at 294. Again, we have very limited advanced stats, so you have to take it with a grain of salt of what I'm giving you, but a very high ISO number for a guy that was able to make the roster and really could be a force on this team. He's a good source of power and stolen bases. Could could easily see him be a 15-15 guy if he were to give uh, the amount of time. And he put up pretty good ISO numbers, at least when it was being tracked out here. So, James Altman. Yes. Uh, also, 28% strikeout rate. A few too many strikeouts. I would, ge- I would generally say the batting average won't be good. But in OBP leagues and daily leagues, deep daily leagues, where you can slot him in only against righties, I think he'll be useful. In weekly leagues, uh, Chris Taylor is going to uh, take bats away from him against against lefties, and maybe uh, just randomly Jason Hayward will take some bats away from him. So um, I don't think he's going to be a good bulk guy. Uh, but daily leagues, he definitely has some usage there. Two pitchers, Jared Schuster had the best spring whip that was tracked at 0.59, the best batting average against at 115, and the second best ERA at 145. Imperfect science because of what is tracked, uh, but these are not those advanced stats that need to be. This is just, this is not imperfect. Actually, this is perfect. This is what you can, they can give you in spring. Best whip, best average against, and second best ERA for Jared Schuster. And I'll just throw out the other one. Hayden Wisniewski, who we've talked a decent amount about, tied for fifth most strikeouts at 22. Those were two pitchers, uh, prospect pitchers that stood out as far as string uh, spring dominance, you know. Well, I've been I've been fully in on uh, Hayden from the beginning um, and uh, absolutely an exciting young arm uh, that I want on every single one of my teams. So that one's an easy one. The Schuster one's not as easy. I have an interesting situation here where I have 79 pitches tracked this spring with a 71 stuff plus. And then in the minor leagues last year, I have 74 pitches tracked in one start with a 114 stuff plus. Now, the minor league numbers need to be adjusted to make it to the major leagues. But even if you adjust it to a major league stuff plus, you're talking about a person who will have at least a 105 stuff plus or better versus a 71 this spring. I'm going to I'm going to put a big ID, IDK on this one. The, the prospect grades aren't there. It's not someone that I've watched a ton of. 
It's not someone I'm super familiar with. If you believe in Jared Schuster, go for it. I would rein in the enthusiasm a little bit based on the prospect grades, based on the poor spring stuff numbers, but there is this asterisk of good minor league stuff plus numbers just last year, plus the idea that he hides the ball really well. So I know I'm supposed to be definitive and give you answers, and that's my my job. I'm not going to do it on this one. I'm just going to take a pass, and if you like Jared Schuster, continue liking him. You can talk about that uh, those minor league numbers. How year. often have you ever seen a guy? It's a small not sample size, often. but like the that dominant inshore sample size with that horrific of a stuff plus. Grayson Rodriguez, I have uh, I have 250 p- pitches tracked. And it's basically like 125 in the minors last year and 125 in spring. He has 119.5 stuff plus in both samples. <laughs> what so, a weird. Like, like that's the same. You know, Schuster is one of the biggest. And usually even start to start, you don't see uh, big variations like that. That's wild. Uh, all right, that is going to do it. Uh, you guys can let us know. What do you think on all those interesting stats from the prospect guys? Maybe some stuff you can pick and choose. And somehow we were able we were able to compare Esther Ruiz and Corbin Carroll, and not everybody can do that. We could somehow find a Kevin Bacon's six degrees of connection between Esther and uh, Corbin Carroll, so we'll track all that. Uh, Derek Van Riper is back tomorrow, as I'm told. So that is awesome. Yeah, that's exciting. That is very, very exciting. Quick over-under, quick over-under, real quick. Yes. Over-under, Esther Ruiz, homers, 12. Ooh, under. Over-under, Esther Ruiz, ISO, uh, 180. Under. It's got to be under if it's, yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. But I think, okay, uh, stolen bases, 29 and a half, over, under. Over. Okay. So we've created his value. I'm just a little afraid that there's a mile straw situation here without the mile straw OBP or without the mile straw defense. Oh, I got the best one. We, Me and uh, Bogman, we play this game. It's like chicken, but this is versus. Who has more stolen bases, Astoria Ruiz or Corbin Carroll this year? Ah, <laughs> oh man, this is really important for fantasy. This is. I'm gonna oh, go Corbin Carroll. Okay. I think Corbin Carroll could lead You're the league. Carroll? I think all he right. could lead the league. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. That's exciting. And you, you can't get I out think of this. Ruiz could read the lead. Too. You can't get out of this. Which is your, what is your answer? But he's not good. I said Ruiz. Oh, you did say Ruiz. But, okay, Ruiz. All right. So, but I don't like it. I'm not happy. About it. <laughs> and I can tell. I can tell by your face. You're like, I'm not happy about this at all. So, uh, all right. There you go. That's what we're gonna do. That's a tough one. All right. Uh, DVR is back, so that's gonna be awesome. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. I will be back with you next week on Tuesday for Prospect Pro- uh, Project Prospect. I did it again. I can't ever do it. It's ridiculous. That's Eno. I'm Welsh. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. And we'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening.